The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning, while it was still dark, and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture, that he had to rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. I'd like to begin with a poem entitled Lembo by Sister Mary Ada. The ancient grayness is shifted, suddenly and thinned, like mist upon the moors before a wind. An old, old prophet lifted a shining face and said, He will be coming soon. The Son of God is dead. He died this afternoon. A murmurous excitement stirred all souls. They wondered if they dreamed save one old man who seemed not even to have heard. And Moses, standing, hushed them all to ask if any had, welcome, had a welcome song prepared. If not, would David take the task? And if they cared, could not the three young children sing the Benedicite, the canticle of praise they made when God kept them from perishing in the fiery blaze? A breath of spring surprised them, stilling Moses' words. No one could speak, remembering the first fresh flowers, the little singing birds. Still others thought of fields, new plowed or apple trees, all blossom bound. Or some, the way a dry bed fills with water, laughing down green hills. The fisher folk dreamed of the foam and bright blue seas. The one old man who had not stirred remembered home. And there he was, splendid as the morning sun and fair, as only God is fair. And they, confused with joy, knelt to adore, seeing that he wore five crimson stars he never had before. No canticle at all was sung, none toned a psalm or raised a greeting song. A silent man alone of all that throng found tongue, not any other. Close to his heart, when the embrace was done, Old Joseph said, How is your mother? How is your mother's son? A common thought in the world today is that when we die, our soul just returns to the universe. Some Christians believe even that when we die, if we have the blessing of going to heaven, of entering into eternal joy, our mind is essentially whitewashed. 
that we don't recognize other people, we don't know who they are, it doesn't even matter to us. One could be married to one's spouse for 75 years, but it doesn't matter because your only focus is God. The other people around you are a distraction. We're supposed to be there only to worship God. Neither of these things is indeed the reality of our Catholic faith. Our Catholic faith teaches us that the blessed in Christ know and are known intimately by one another. And in this, they glorify God. We can look to scriptures and see accounts of this. We can look to the story of Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man who daily walked over Lazarus and ignored him. And yet when he died, Lazarus goes to heaven, the other man, the rich man goes to hell, but he knows who Lazarus is. Even the chasm between them that can never be crossed to go from one side to another, as Father Abraham would speak, the simple reality is he still knew who Lazarus was. And he called to him by name. Send Lazarus. We know that the saints in heaven are mindful of us here on earth, and they're interceding for us. Surely no small number of us have had prayers answered by the saints of God. They know us. They intercede for us. They pray to God on our behalf. Pope St. Gregory the Great in the seventh century even spoke of one of his monks that he knew, a man who had a vision of heaven, and when he entered into the gates of glory, he beheld the prophets, the prophets of old, those who had lived a thousand years and more before his own lifetime, but he knew them by name. He was able to address them, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi. He knew them not simply by name, he knew far more than he ever would have known by reading their writings. An intense knowledge of the other. Why do I mention all of this? It is simply to drive home the point that this life matters. It has a purpose. It has value. In the early church, heresies arose that thought that one should have a hatred for one's body, one, a, a hatred for earthly things, that the, that the body was such a terrible thing, that this world was such a terrible place that one should not get married lest one join oneself to another human being. That would be a terrible thing, huh? And then to have to bring other people into that world to be bound by the same wickedness of this world? Foolishness, they would think. But the Christian church said, no, it is good. And much imitating the words of Peter on, t- on Mount Tabor, it is good that we are here. As we walk through this earthly life, we are indeed strangers and sojourners, as the scriptures tell us. We were not made to stay here forever at this point. We were made for heavenly joy and heavenly glory. We were made for that heavenly, heavenly life with Christ, which Christ himself has made available to us today. By conquering death, the gates of heaven have opened. We do not belong here, but it is good that we are here. Indeed, in the creation of the human, the, the creation of all things, including the human race, there was harmony, there was community. 
There was not a division between individuals or a division between humanity and God himself. These things came on account of sin. But all of that in the person of Christ has been justified, redeemed. Indeed, we await the full redemption of all creation and all of humanity. But in the part we have now, it is enough. Even beyond these things, the lives that we live here glorify God. And this is the great gift, that in heaven, the glory of God is wonderfully made manifest by his goodness to us in this life. For us to simply enter into heavenly joy and to forget all things that have ever existed is to forget all of the works of the Lord God himself. The people, of, the people of Israel, when they were exiled in Babylon, they said, if, my, if I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand wither, let my tongue stick to my mouth so I cannot speak to praise. If I forget you, Jerusalem. Jerusalem was just the city where God lived. It wasn't even the Lord himself. How far one should come to forget the things the Lord has done. It would be foolishness. When our blessed Lord returns... He comes still with his wounds. As he's referred to in the the poem, he comes with his five crimson stars crowned, his five wounds, but they are glorious. They tell the story of his earthly life here and the fruits and the final final reality of what he has done. Our blessed Lord, when he came among us, he took on our flesh and united humanity to divinity. When he died, he didn't simply slough off our body as something to be hated, something to be an annoyance, a hindrance to him. Even now, our blessed Lord in heaven has a body, and it still has its glorified wounds. It could have been raised up without his wounds, but this too he chose not to do. He embraced his wounds. They became became the, the, the trophies of his victory, as St. Augustine would say, the signs of the glory of God. This is what God has done, he said in so many words, without even having to speak, simply by letting his radiant wounds shine before people. He is glorified, and our lives, too, will be glorified. On account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all things are made new. Death is destroyed. Sin is cast out. And though our Lord had promised never to flood the world again to kill us with water, he has indeed flooded, us, flooded again by the gift of his grace. This immense flood brings not death, but eternal life. With the bursting forth of our Lord from the tomb, all things are changed. And this is the glory of God, that our lives here show forth that glory. All of us have certainly recognized moments in our lives where the Lord has spoken to us or touched our hearts in some particular way. Maybe it was at a particular Mass, a sermon that was preached, a prayer that one found and, and what was nourished within one's soul, 
spiritual reading, the praying of the rosary, making the stations, going on retreat, <coughs> a profound experience of the Lord, praying with your family, being with your family, with your spouse, with your friends. All of these are places which our Lord has shown us something that he is at work within us, that he is doing something in us, that he is converting our hearts, that he's filling us with love, that he's bringing us closer and closer to himself. But for every one of those things of which we are aware, I would suggest to you that there are a thousand more of which we are blissfully ignorant. Ways in which God, in his love for us, not as just a mass of people, but as individuals whose names he knows, whose number of hair on our head he has counted, as a sign of love for us, he comes to bring us grace, to show us mercy, to give us guidance, to watch over us and protect us. All the while, we are unaware. We have no idea. We think we're just living life on life's terms, life and, and the reality of, of, of the things that we experience. It's just life is happening, and we're just kind of unfolding before us, and we just go with it. But it's the loving hand of God, the guiding hand of God, all the while, quietly, subtly, coming to care for us. And this is the glory of God that will be made manifest in heaven. When we are there, we will know and be known. We will understand things that we have never understood here. And every person before us will be a living story of the glory of God, the power of God, the mercy of God, the love of God that will ignite our soul to praise him far more than we would simply do otherwise. When we are in heaven, indeed, we will know each other. And this is a great joy. Much as Joseph, seeing his son for the first time after our blessed Lord's death, rejoicing in that moment. And indeed, there will be great rejoicing. Family calling out to one another, embracing one another. But all of this to the glory of God not simply for our own good, although it is for this as well, but because it speaks of the power of what God has done, then indeed in us, though we have been wounded in the course of this life, we will be glorified because of the resurrection of our Christ.